Live from Grizzly Farm, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Well, welcome to episode 72 of Dear Old Trains of Thoughts, and Merry Christmas, Merry Nick. Merry Christmas, Tim. Oh, this, this is, is it's a nice place to be. Good to get a holiday location on the holidays. It is, it is. We've, we've rented out this nice, quaint little farmhouse. Uh, it was unusual to rent it from a bear, though. We've done stranger things. Well, true. I mean, she did seem very, very sweet. Yeah. And, so, uh, she's, and snowing outside. There's that snowman outside. I yeah. saw him move, but... Well, you might you might have you know there's some pictures of all kinds of cuddly uh, characters although some of them look kind of crazy if you ask me here on the walls yeah so I, I I don't know what much about this bear I mean I feel like I really should for some reason yeah it uh, just seems yeah but it's it's a very nice little spot and a good place we're gonna totally. have we're gonna have the uh, children of the wells Christmas party here yes and they'll be coming over soon yeah hopefully they'll be here before too long they're a little delayed because of all the snow outside yeah yeah it's it's quite cool I I mean, it was pretty cold in Indiana too. Yeah, that's to be true. Honest. But it's it's very festive. Do you have any plans for uh, Christmas after the party this year? Well, we'll and um, family will head up to or down to North Carolina to see Natasha's side of the family, uh-huh. and we'll spend Christmas there. So. Cool, cool. And will you be going on your Hayden family ski trip no, again? I won't be going to that one. Oh, I know. Wow. I mean, everyone else is. Oh, okay, we are not. Okay, because it's the last hurrah for Natasha's parents before they go back to Brazil. Oh, so, right, because they've been in the States for the last, last three months or so. Fun, fun. Um, well, I don't have any... Well, I guess uh, since we're doing this personal family life <laughs> stuff, um, I'm now married. No. no. <laughs> surprise! <laughs> that would be a surprise to me. Holiday weddings. Uh, no, um, I'm actually working... This will sound very strange, but I'm working as a paralegal now. Dun, dun, dun. I don't think I m- mentioned that last time. I don't Did remember we, it I started remember. yet. But no, I don't think it's on the podcast at the very least. So yes, I'm doing paperwork and helping people get their social security um, and workers comp nice. stuff. So it's it's something different, but it's it's a steady job, and that's a really nice that's, thing that's right now. So and it means I get to buy myself a PlayStation Four on Cyber Monday. Oh, nice! <laughs> I can't imagine what that's for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't like Kingdom Hearts at all. <laughs> There's that Final Fantasy thing that I keep hearing about. Yeah, that is. That's out now, correct? It is out now. Yeah. I've not, I've not bought that yet. Okay, because you know it is Christmas time. Yeah, so, it's you know, I want to yeah. leave room so for when, Santa. So when's the Kingdom Hearts three come out? That's like in a January. Is that for the four too? I'm assuming, right? Yes, yeah. yes. So yeah, so you're, you're just set. coincidentally, you're, you're you're set for the rest of the year then. <laughs> pretty pretty much. <laughs> But, uh, right. but we didn't come here to You should have brought the... it here to the cabin. We had some fun after. Well, all I have right now is a single-player game for it. Oh, I mean, okay. I guess... And I don't know that we even get and, internet here. And that wouldn't work very well for what we're going to talk about. That's true. Exactly. So we, we should get right into that. Yeah. So let's go to story school. For Story School today, we are going to talk about shared experience, because a story takes on, it can you can have a much different reaction to it if you're watching it alone or if you're watching it with a group. Exactly. And so, and a lot of things we've talked about is always just assuming you're watching it by yourself or you're reading it by yourself, but that's not how a lot of art is taken. Yeah. You know, whether it's watching movies, you know, Netflixing at home or going to the theater. 
movie theater or actual theater. Or actual theater, yeah, if it's a play. Um, yeah, obviously. Or book clubs where you might not be reading it all at the same time, but you're all reading it in order to share with each other. Yeah. So let's start with maybe it might be worth even before we're talking about shared experience, which will be the focus, maybe the contrast it with you know, kind of personal experience. Because okay. I've noticed that sometimes if I'm watching an anime series alone, yeah. I will actually, in some ways, and this is, I guess is one detriment to a shared experience, maybe. But sometimes I will get actually more emotional over a show or a movie than I would if I was with another person. Because when you're with another person, you get very kind of, you can be a little more self-conscious. You're, you're aware of the other person. Yeah, you're yeah. aware of the other person. Whereas, um, actually, the thing that made me think about this is, I had gone through, I'd watched a Let's Play of a series, a horror series oh, yeah. called Danganronpa. And then I watched an anime that was kind of the prequel slash sequel. It was kind of weird the way they kind of intermixed them. Yeah. But I actually had a kind of much stronger emotional reaction to it be- watching the anime, which without, you know, Let's Play commentary. Yeah. And maybe not to, I don't know that I necessarily recommend the series because it, you know, the body count gets kind of high and it's a a little disturbing at times, which made me think of, and because I had such a kind of like, I felt kind of like, ugh, afterwards, it reminded me of Evangelion. Okay, yeah. Which I also watched alone and it's... I watched that alone. Well, no, actually my dad watched a lot of it with me. Oh, really? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, (laughs) in the sense that, like... I really appreciated that my dad would actually put up with that and watch it with him. I was super excited about it. I want to show someone, you know, when, sure. half the reason you have a shared experience because like this is something unique and you want to share it with someone. And uh-huh. he actually sat down and watched some of it with me. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, kudos to your dad. No, <laughs> I know. I, I look back sometimes and think, what were you thinking, Dad? <laughs> it's, it's not even your dad is so interesting because you know he's he's a motorcycle guy, mechanic, yeah. and you know engineer and all this kind of stuff, and he'll watch just about anything. With oh yeah, you guys. He, yeah, he, he's, he's very, very open for. All kinds of crazy shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, I mean, that's where I got all my love of sci-fi and stuff. He has all these old science fiction doubles. Oh, and that's true. I yeah, forgot Yeah, he was about always that. very big into that growing up. So, so. That, and that's really cool. You can share that sort of thing. I mean, for me, Evangelion to this day, I think is still the only anime that's actually given me nightmares. <laughs> like having, and again, he, don't, I mean, he didn't watch all of that. But remember, there, there were a number of episodes, I think somewhere in the middle, he did watch with me. And I'm looking back, I'm like, those were I, I'd be asking questions about son. Are you okay? <laughs> but <laughs> but they trusted me and yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> that's that's you know, really funny. It's inter- though you're talking about the let's play and you've helped more when you're watching a single. Is that there is a sense in some ways that you you put a lot of cards down, but you're also viewing how other people are going to see things. Like if yeah. I you know, like Natasha and I watch something, then we'll show it to someone else, and then. It, you perceive the whole movie different because like, oh, yeah. wait, I forgot that was in there. Oh, yeah. That um, used to be the thing, like showing parents something for yeah. the first time. Like, I mean, if you had seen it before, then you recommend yeah. it. And then like the sex scene comes up and you're like, oh, well, yeah, sorry, mom. Yeah, I we didn't, didn't, I didn't remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, on a large scale, that's sort of what, you know, the whole riffing culture is. Oh, it's a shared true. experience of let's all just. It removes you. Sometimes the shared experience, depending on the way it's taken, it removes you from the movie because... It's as much about the community watching it as the what you're watching. That's true. And you mentioned riff. I'm assuming you're talking riff tracks. Riff tracks, Mr. Science Theater, and then then all you know that kind of there's a lot of that sort of mentality now about watching things. It's true. We watch it as 
a collective of critics. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it could be as a collective of uh, critics, you know, everyone has a review show nowadays yeah. or, you know, not everyone, but there's there's a big following of that. Yeah, luckily we never review anything on here. <laughs> okay, point taken. <laughs> um, but at the same time, then there's also the whole genre of reaction videos on YouTube now. Yeah, watch what watch while I'm watching what I haven't watched yet. <laughs> and a lot of times, I think most people who watch those, they've already seen a thing. So then it, it really is bring the, it's a virtual form of sharing an experience with a friend. Yeah. Well, I know there's certain movies that I want to show people, you know, like if they've never seen Inception, like come watch Inception with me. And then it's half of it so you can see how they react. I mean, that's what we did with Nathan with the uh, Stanley Parable. Oh, Stanley. <laughs> it's like, look at this thing. Stanley Parable is the perfect shared experience computer game because <laughs> like, just, just go, you know, I don't know what's going on. Just, just try stuff. Yeah. And just the back there. Laugh. Yeah. Um, or, um, I would love to show Tim, for instance, um, 10 Cloverfield Lane because it's just oh, one of those, yeah. I want to show my parents. But they watch it without me, and I afterwards like, how do you? Because my dad doesn't do suspense very well. <laughs> so this is a, a, I think we talk more about my dad this podcast than we ever have. But <laughs> that's probably true. Um, he doesn't do suspense real well, so we weren't sure he would go like. And he did enjoy it, but sometimes he has to just like read something or when things are going on. <laughs> is that why Zach is always reading? I, probably at one point it was. Now it's just because he multitasks. He, but oh, okay, I mean like. Have we told the story on here about Zach and suspense? I think so. With, about Jurassic with, Park. Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's the, the classic. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you must got that from Dad. I like suspense quite a bit. But so that's part of the fun. Part of the seeing the other person's reaction for living vicariously. Like I felt this the first time. I want other people to feel it. You can't feel it quite the same a second. Right. Time. You can't recapture the first time viewing again. Yeah. And so being able to live it through someone else is very helpful. Um, but then also the there's even the shared experience of like when neither one of you has seen mm-hmm. it for the first time. It's almost like a, um, it can, in the best situations, be like a exponential multiplication. Like, if it's a, one surprise by yourself, it's like even more surprise if three yeah. people are getting at the same time. I always remember Tim, Nathan, and I watched um, <laughs> um, Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny together. Oh, yes. And it was a funny movie. And even watching it by yourself, I think it'd be funny. But with... Between time night and the three of us there, it like, was it was a special cathartic experience with when the when the fire truck <laughs> showed up rolling and, in. Yes, there's a certain something about watching something insane late at night, especially if it. everyone has a kind of the same the humor that they jives together. You know, they all kind of get the humor at the same time. I'm convinced that's the only reason Adult Swim works. If you ever watch any of those, like those cartoons make absolutely no sense. And most of the time I think they're really dumb. Yeah. I know this because they're people who watch it really late at night, usually drunk probably. I think it's really (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. Um, But I mean, part of the charm of watching Griff Tracks or Misty often is the really late at night and it makes it all the loopier. And and I've... And just because of my life, I rarely watch anything by myself. But I can't imagine watching Rift Tracks much. It seems so much better with other people. <laughs> Even if they've all seen it. Because mm-hmm. it just it's just the sort of show that's set up for common... I mean, uh-huh. the, when you have people there, you talk... You, you know, sometimes you talk about, like, bad side of shared experience. Like, I teach youth sometimes. And when we watch a movie, we'll be like, guys, we're watching the movie. And they all want to talk. We're not... Talking and yeah. texting, and it's a movie to be watched. But mm-hmm. simultaneously, there is a type of watching that's also you're interacting with the other people, but it's in context of watching. That's true, and I and that's enjoyable. Yes, and and there are certain you know we talked about like there are certain experiences you can't recapture the first viewing. Yeah. There's sometimes there's certain experiences that like with us in the Sandy Ice Cream Bunny where you can't recapture 
what it was like when you watched it with this group at yeah. this particular time. There was this one time we were watching um, with my family. Yeah. We were watching some Muppets, uh, the Muppet Show, and um, it was an episode I'd seen before because I think it was from season three, if I remember right. Because four and five are still not on DVD yet. <laughs> Maybe we can ask the bear here about it. Yeah, we, we probably should. But anyway, so it was an episode of Spike Milligan, who's this British comedian who every once in a while you get a comedian on The Muppet Show who's like actually more insane than they are. <laughs> yeah. And and he was one of those. And like I said, I'd seen the episode before, but there was this part, this really bizarre skit that he apparently had written himself where at one point he grabs a chicken and just shakes it. It's like, who came first? <laughs> And for whatever reason, this, we all lost it at this. Like we were like, I mean, we'd been like, you know, on the floor. Yeah. It was late at night, so we were, but we were all rolling, <laughs> laughing. And I watched it again, like some other time with another friend. It, it just didn't have the yeah. same effect as as that did. Okay, Tropic Thunder, which is okay, off color and everything. I don't ever seen this movie. I've not, but I've uh, heard about it. But we watched it with most of my family. And there's a part with with Tom Cruise, and we were just dying. We were just—it was just the funniest thing I've ever seen. It was like Zach wasn't there. Like, Zach, you have to go watch it. He watches it. He's like, "What was so funny?" <laughs> you know, because it's, it's just the the people you're with. Sometimes there's a you there's, had to be there. There's a chemistry. It wouldn't have worked any other <laughs> yeah. way in some ways. Didn't you tell me uh, Summer went? Who was it? You went to see Emperor's New Groove. Oh, yeah. Summer and her friend, they just, they were like on the floor. They just could not deal with the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's, see, that's always fun. And you can't predict that sort of thing. No, you really can't. And sometimes it's not even the movies. It's just the people you're with and uh-huh. the mood you're in and stuff. And and that's just something special about the shared experience. Now, you know, I was talking about the, the exponential. Sometimes this is what really good is about theater, like mm, live yes. theater. It's mm-hmm. like done well everyone's feeling the same thing yeah and you just sort of like you're caught up in the and it's different than if you're just watching by yourself i think because it's like everyone is feeling you know there's a very physical presence of the people right there yeah in a different way than in a movie theater normally oh absolutely we used to talk about this when i was a theater minor actually how what happens on stage during a play it's going to be its own unique experience. Even though you've rehearsed it and done the same thing multiple times, there's sort of a realness to life that will never be captured again. You know, once something's on film or, or, you know, digital video, whatever, it's going to always be that way, the way that you've, you know, in the final presentation, but live theater, it's, it's in the moment and there's a certain realness to it. And when you share that with a lot of people, yeah, there's a, there's something that you you're all coming together to experience. This is why it's, theater will never die. Yeah, because it's you it can't, can't be replicated. Cap, you can't replicate it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can put a musical on TV, but then it's not the same. I mean, it's still a good story. It's interesting, good but music. It's, it's its own thing. Yeah, it's, and you're like this is this kind of art form, whereas you go to the theater to experience something else. Exactly. I mean, same reason you go to the Philharmonic and it's different than listening to DVD, uh, the, the CD. CD. Yeah, that's very true. If people listen to CDs still, I don't know. <laughs> so how about, we, we talk about a lot of visual medium. Mm-hmm. How about books? Books are an interesting thing. The modern, of course, version of this is book clubs. Book clubs. Which There are dramatic readings. There are dramatic readings. I've never been part of one of those, but... Yeah, they, again, theater, they do, they do yeah. some of that stuff around there. But yeah, you have to be in a real artsy community, I think, to, to get those much. Yeah. I mean, I guess in some ways, audiobooks... I mean, okay, maybe... I mean, sometimes you'll drive with your family, I'll be listening to... I I'll mean, be... I have happen to me sometimes. Yeah. Or I guess maybe audiobooks is not a good example, but sometimes if you read, talking about in the car, you're, yeah. you know, if someone reads the story That's out true. loud, yeah. you know, and... You, well, yeah, I mean, well, with young kids, we're always reading, like, 
Amelia Bedelia or Space Taxi or, you know, something out loud to them. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a little different because they're still just kind of absorb, learning how to absorb stories and stuff. So you don't have this, you don't have the same sort of jovial interaction sometimes as when watching, watching something. But sometimes you're like, you know, Rain's like, you know, I stop at the end of a chapter, like, no, keep going. You know, there's yeah. that, that sort of like, no, not yet. Don't end it yet. Uh-huh. Um, but you still get, you st- it's still a way to experience community. Yeah. I remember it was very special. Um, a couple of times dad would read uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas around yeah. December because he, he always really enjoyed Dr. Seuss. He didn't read to the to the little ones a whole lot over the year. It just wasn't yeah. something he did, but that was something that we did sometimes and it was really fun. I, I know, um, Traditionally, I was just going to say that, Natasha. Traditionally, on Christmas, we read um, <laughs> Natasha is here. Um, <laughs> she was like doing this really clever Grinch sneak past yeah. <laughs> me or something. I was like, no, what's the going best, on? The best Christmas pageant ever. We've read the last two or three years you're kids. Oh, we read it before we had kids. Did we read before? Oh, all right. I misremember. <laughs> um, but in, in any case, first off, it's just, a, it's just a great book if you've never read it. It's hilarious. Hmm. I've heard um, of it. I've never read it's it. It's so great. And it's so great to read out loud. And every year, Natasha are just laughing at the same, well, not always the same place, but there's just, it's become in some ways a tradition, you know, in the sense of there's yeah. just certain things that like, oh, that part. And, you know, and I guess that's a shared experience, this idea that, oh, is this part now? And you, I guess you do uh, that with yeah. books sometimes. That's when true. You, yeah. You come to your favorite part and like, oh, read that part again. Yeah. Or, 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 oh, this is coming up. This is coming up. Yeah. 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 Um, and the thing with book clubs, it reminds me, there is a type of shared experience, which is kind of like the cultural, like the water cooler. Mm, like, mm-hmm, yeah. it doesn't happen, it's different now, but it used to be everyone would watch some show that everyone watched, you know, say like Lost, <laughs> on a night, and the next day everyone would talk about it, or get a mm-hmm. Google Wave, and yeah. um, this got like Tim and I used to do. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there used to be, the, you know, the the the... Everyone would watch at the same time, mm-hmm. and they'd all talk about it. And there's still some of that with Netflix, but it's become well, weirder. And there, well, and there's some of that on Twitter now. Like, oh yeah, if if you're people who do who are on Twitter a lot, they have to be very careful if they don't see a certain show at a certain you know, yeah. right Either after it's live tweeting. Yeah, live tweeting. You know, and you know, during the show, people will be commenting, and you can even talk to the the actors who are in it, and sometimes they'll say like, "Oh man, my, that costume was really hot that day," or yeah. or whatever, and it's. Which adds a whole other experience to it. You, not only do you get to share it with like strangers around the world, but you, you're also sharing it with the people who help make it. I mean, I guess at the heart is the sense that we love stories as humans, mm-hmm. but we always want to share what we want other people to experience what we experience. You know, it's the same with like, oh, I went to Chicago. You need to go to Chicago sometime. Yeah. You know, in real life, you know, there's real. But if something you like, something you you feel something, you had a story, you like, I want other people to share in this. Mm-hmm. You know, and technology, you know, you like you just said Twitter is all about that. Yeah. You know, Netflix is all about like, hey, you need to watch the fill in the blank. You know, people keep telling me to read this, watch this Stranger Things show. You should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, you know, talking on a podcast, I finally got you to uh, watch Person of Interest. Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> which we're real, I'm really enjoying. So, I mean, it, it, it works. It's a, it's a valuable way of, of all that and stuff. It's a, and especially, I think, now in a splinter, you know, our culture is much more splinter than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It's a common thread. People can, even if they don't know anything else about each other, oh, you like... You like this. Yeah. I like this. Well, it's, it's I think not, you'll like this other thing that's sort okay, of like this. Okay, share experience. You got Pokemon Go. Yeah, that's true. You know, as soon as it came out, people were complete strangers talking to each other around Pokestops. And mm-hmm. I, our friend Warren, you know, met all kinds of people around the courthouse in Auburn at 11 at night. Um, <laughs> but, you know, 
people are de- not well. They want that connection, and that's the easiest way to make the connection because mm-hmm. deeper things are harder in, in it's hard culture. It's a, it's a great touching stone, yeah. yeah. Especially we, we feel divided on a lot of things, you know, politically, religion, you know, ethnicity. But there's if there's something, whatever it is, and for some people, you know, it's a sports or some yeah, other hobby is a big activity. Shared experience. It's a, it's a big one, but. Sometimes you get people, you know, multiple people who have very different interests. You know, they, you know, if it was just their other hobbies, they would never meet. But yeah. if they have, they can meet over a Marvel movie. Yeah. And they, they can share that. And that's, that's a Be very that Everyone has an opinion thing. about a Marvel movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Star Wars. I mean, that was, that was the shared experience of an entire generation. Yeah, pretty much. It still is. Yeah. I mean. Of the next generation. <laughs> the next generation. <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wait, that's Star Trek. <laughs> But going back to the book club thing, yeah. there's another way new technology is kind of incorporated that. And we, I mean, this is not the way we do our book club. We do ours through uh, forums and stuff like yeah. that. Which it's similar. But I don't know if you've seen this thing on Facebook. Sometimes people do where you buy a book that's one of your favorites that you like to give to someone. And then like basically whoever sets it up has a post and they say, okay. um, hey, if you want to be a part of this, DM me, give me a, send me a message. So anyway, then you buy a book and then they'll send it to someone else that who had contacted them. Okay. And they, so you get a free book. It's sort of like what uh, you used to say Summer used to do at the bookstore. Like the advanced reader copy sort of stuff? Well, not just advanced reader copy, but we're like, you pick out a book for someone else that you like. And okay. And then you get a book from so, a book oh, that yeah, they recommend. Oh yeah, I did that once. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just, this is a virtual way to, I mean, Facebook, yeah. social networking And, and our personal book club's kind of like this. We all kind of say, hey, there's a book we've always wanted to read and we yeah. all... And in in our case, we all vote uh, on a poll, and then that's one person, like, this month we're going to vote on this person's recommendations or suggestions. We really need some sort of year-end roundup on that sometime. Oh, that's a good point. Hmm. Not probably this time. But And and I guess the sheer experience of book club, and because books are longer invested in whatever, is almost more sharing the ideas. Yeah. Then the and you don't share the emotion. I mean, you do do a certain thing, but it's almost sharing the ideas and what did that feel, you know... It's like journaling, like processing through the 300 pages That's together. an interesting point. It's, it is a little less experiential like the other ones are. Um, not just the recommending this because we like this but or reading it together. But it is more like the, let's pick this apart. Let's see, how did this take? Did this work? Did that and then work? the shared experience, like, oh, I'd never, I would never have thought of it that way. You know, mm. you, people bring different experiences to it. Then the book brings out those experiences for people to share in some ways. That's, that's an interesting point. In my, my mom's book club, several of them are homeschool moms. Yeah. So they, you know, they've known each other for a long time, so they've got that community. But I know there's at least one person in there that is much more uh, liberal-leaning mm-hmm. than the rest of them. Um, and so obviously she brings some vastly different perspectives yeah. on, on things. And there'll be books that mom absolutely hates that she <laughs> loves and vice versa yeah. sometimes. But there there's a good way to, again, connections. Like interacting with someone that you wouldn't normally interact and with. And I guess, it's, it, you know, in some ways it can be a, a way of opening up the other parts that are hard to talk about, especially if they're a book. Yeah. You know, especially book club books sometimes tend to be a little denser, deeper. A little more challenging. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, stories. I mean, this we've we've said this a number of times, but they really do build bridges in multiple ways. Because one thing we have not talked about, and I'm not sure how much we can, is in, in the video game multiplayer realm. Mm. Again, some of those are not as story based; they're almost more just like quest based. So I don't know how much it applies. Yeah, that that is a tricky thing. I mean. Again, I think it's almost like a sport. Yeah, when when you're doing multiplayer, yeah, I don't know how many of them. I, I mean, I guess you can in the like 
I think it's easier to do multiplayer story based in like a, a D and D sense. A yeah, role-playing that's so role playing. I guess we haven't talked about that either. Yeah, I mean that almost that, like uh, simultaneous story creation. Basically, I mean the game master will have sort of an outline set, and different groups will do this in varying ways. Yeah. You know, some some groups will will go pretty closely with the game masters. You know what they have set up for them. Um, some groups will just go on a completely different tangent. You know, it's almost altogether. like the, it's almost like on the other extreme from the book club. Instead of people wrestling with ideas, they're all throwing their own spin of you know they're they're in creation mode in like a role playing game as opposed to in a analysis mode. Mm-hmm. You know they're all like we're all creating together as opposed to we're all absorbing together. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I could see that. I mean, that's it's almost like. A, well, I mean, it's funny because they're creating, but they're also experiencing. Yeah, because yeah, it's, 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 it's not quite like you a, have an ownership to, in it in, it, a certain, in a deeper way sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little different than say you know co-author work like Children of the Wells, yeah. where we're like we're very intentionally kind of tweaking things or, in there it's or not, trying to. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it is more co-creation and not as much the experience. I mean. It's an experience, experience, but it's not as an audience. Yeah. Whereas in a D and D, you, you are of, the audience and the creator simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of kind of bizarre. But I would say even in video games, going back to that, which are more single player focused, not the multiplayer. Again, going back to let's play, there's still there is more and more of an element of experiencing that together. Yeah. Like, I used to play um, certain like. If I, when I was going through Kingdom Hearts or Final yeah. Fantasy, my little sisters like to watch because no. you've done this well, with, this with is, your, this is, your kids. Uh, well, I'll bring the story up at the end of the podcast. Um, but yeah, Summer Special would watch a lot of my Final Fantasy t- with me. And uh-huh. it was just, she never played them, but she knows a lot about them. Anyway, you know, and they the, can all hum Terrace theme. And the, uh, Zach <laughs> even was like, I don't like music. And he'll just, hell, you know, I'll hear him hum it occasionally. Because, <laughs> nice. Because it just... It's a cool It doesn't theme. die. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because yeah. there is that, you know, it is, you're all, it, again, you're still experiencing a story together. I, I'll never forget um, Kingdom Hearts. You yeah. think I'm obsessed with it. My, my sister, Danielle. Yeah. I don't remember how old she was at the time, probably nine, ten, something like that. But the Kingdom Hearts is is like the perfect thing for that age group because not just because of Disney, but because it has like all these like little unsolved mysteries in the corners. And she would talk about it like nonstop, like, what do you think this means, Timothy? And like, well, I, I, I guess it's probably yeah. because of this and try to explain this and that. And eventually I had to, I had to like show her some other mangas just so she would stop talking about Kingdom Hearts for a little while. <laughs> okay, I'll just throw my summer story in here. So we were playing Final Fantasy VII. She was watching me all the time and she, she really enjoyed it. And then we got to the point where Eris, when Sephiroth comes out of the ceiling and kills her, she stopped. She could not watch anymore. She was so mad and so disappointed. She was done. She never watched any more of it. Of <laughs> just that game? Of that game. She was done. <laughs> she still remembers it to this day, how heartbroken she was when Aww. he killed her. So, so again, that was one of those moments that was really a big deal at that time in video game history mm-hmm. and was kind of one of those cultural yeah. geeky touchstones. And she, and she felt it. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's it's so fascinating because even though like you know in these games you know you're doing a lot of battling they're probably like reading like shoot you know make, yeah, they do crafts them. or draw yeah, something while, while we're doing the fighting while you're doing you know? the actual fighting stuff and then pay attention to the cutscenes yeah so it's you know it's the same method of like experiencing a movie or some other thing even yeah. though it's meant to be interactive yeah exactly but anyway I think that covers a lot of ground did we yeah. miss anything uh, nothing that I had thought of beforehand. 
So definitely if you've got, when you have the family around over a Christmas holiday this time, this, this year, and you find yourself all parked in front of the TV. Watch Cloverfield. <laughs> <laughs> nice and cheery. No, I, I think, I think watching TV as a family together sometimes gets a bad rap because but, it's not, you're not really together, but in a way you are. Especially if you do it purposefully. Yeah. Like not just yes. like, we're all kind of in the same room, but we're not present yeah if you're all kind of zoned out then yeah no you're not really bonding but together there, there is it. really something you know we used to have when tgi friday was a thing on abc like with urkel and stuff <laughs> you know we'd all sit down on friday and watch and it was a, it was just a it was a family time yeah and i think you can certainly tv and everyone does movie theaters like this yeah sure. you know they go out you go to movie theater because it's an experience right because you want to see it with other people now it can be challenging sometimes if you have a, especially if you have a big family, to get to find expensive. something that well, <laughs> not just to go to the theater, but even if you're at home, but to find something that everyone's going to be interested true. in. Yeah, I mean we're having that trouble now because Phil and Rennie have few ones to go a little, a little d- heavier, real heavier, and Rennie just can't do it yet. Mm, yeah. So yeah, I can. So Phineas and Ferb always works. <laughs> Phineas and Ferb is a good. Yeah, it works that, for that, all that ages. Everyone, yes. Natasha was like, "Yeah, that sounds good." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But hopefully you can find something like that for your family. Yeah. And then, then you know, especially when we have kids for, I don't know how many of our readers have kids, but you know. Probably more books, and more. That's true. But certain of those, there's certain classic books reading together. I know Natasha would love to share with, I don't know if you read out loud or not, but Anna Green Gables with Rennie. Even mm. if she reads it herself, they can talk about, you know. Oh, sure. Srandy's last uh, middle name is Anne with an E. Yeah. Um, but sometimes if if I really, if I was really pumped about a certain book that I had that I wanted to, I wanted my sister's to read it was just faster for me to read it to them than <laughs> to convince them to read it yeah exactly <laughs> you know that's why i'm always trying to convince people anyone i meet who loves wheel of time they're like you love it too and we talk for like an hour because <laughs> it's just one of those books that it's such an experience you got to share it with someone else and then everyone else is like why do you keep talking about that book it's because it's so multifaceted and you love the characters and etc you're gonna wear me down eventually i know i mean, see that's what i'm doing you talk about you've talked about this thing for like 10 years as but, long as i've but, known you you know warren realized i had i read it and now he's constantly we just, we'll, like he got like a half hour to just talk about stuff he's only through like book four or five well after you've read for like ten thousand pages you want to share with, i mean in high school we had a group of like four or five of us. Every time a new book was out, we'd all read it. We'd all theorize about it. It was great. It was awesome. <laughs> it was like it was like watching Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So without the chill. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now we've tried to wrap this up. I, yeah, I, I got sidetracked. Note possible. So. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what you do: you get this podcast or another one you like of ours, and listen to it with someone else. Yes. Share the love yes. of the real trains of thought. And with that note, we'll go to soundtrack. For my soundtrack today, it's always nice to include something very Christmassy sounding. For yeah, I don't know. I don't always do that during the holidays, but well, you, I, I've, I've taught you. Yeah, I've, I taught me well, <laughs> uh, master. 
but one of the nice things to do to do this is to just go back at what they did last year because they usually put out something Christmassy on OC Remix uh, shortly after we finish our podcast. So <laughs> that's what I did this time. So this is from last year. It's a remix from Super Mario 64. Great game. Wish I played with my kids. Uh, you know, this is actually a game I've not played a whole lot. It's a fun game. It was, I think, partially because the 3D took me a while. It was, you know, 64, yeah. it was very new. It and, was very new. And uh, it's until you get used to it, it was one that kind of got me motion sick. So I didn't play this one a whole lot, but I should give it a try sometime. But this remix is called Frosty Britches. It is uh, remixed by Long Box of Chocolates which sounds like a tasty holiday You never treat. know what you're going to get. That's true. But uh, this is... <laughs> anyway, uh, but this is a nice way to kick off the holiday party. So enjoy. back hello that was a good song i like it yeah it's i hope i hope you all enjoyed it in the meantime while that song was playing um everyone from children of the wells arrives yeah hey, door, they stomp off their boots and yeah well, and watch out for that icy patch and it's kind of slick when yeah. you when you're coming in i jumped it yeah okay that's good <laughs> um, <laughs> um they brought cookies they did and they brought a virtual greg who's uh, <laughs> who's uh, say hi greg 
I am podcasting from the safety of my bedroom. <laughs> I didn't know Ma Bear had Wi-Fi. Yes. Well, you know, Ma, Ma Bear is Ma Bear is very uh, hip. Uh, at least her son tries to make her that way and completely fails. But yes. <laughs> he feels for himself too, I think. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, it's it, so we're all cuddled around the fire. We just got finished again while the spot, the soundtrack was playing, and through the magic of the Twilight Zone, we managed to watch something. So that means it's time for to give our take on tales. All right, Tim, so introduce our people and the episode we watched here. Our people. Okay, well, we are five people in search of a podcast. <laughs> I thought we were five characters in search of a podcast. Oh, yes, well, that, that too. No, so we watched an episode of The Twilight Zone because we thought we're talking about shared experiences. It'd be fun to, to share an experience, a viewing experience with all of you. And well, well, I guess while you didn't get to watch it with us, you'll get to hear us talk about it and sort of deconstruct um, what happened. And the one bad thing about this, I realize it's going to be really hard to talk about this without talking about the twist ending. So we're just going to do spoiler here. Yeah. So, um, if you've not seen, uh, five strange, five characters, five characters, five characters in search of an exit, go to Netflix, uh, season three of twilight zone. Yes. Hopefully you don't have to fight over the, over Netflix with, uh, Miss Piggy cause she keeps wanting to binge watch Gilmore girls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this episode, as the name suggests, we have five characters looking for exit. They're in this big circular enclosed space trying to find a way out the entire time. Um, there's a, a clown, a hobo, a major who's basically the protagonist he of the just, story. He just came, he just appeared. He just appeared. He's the yeah. newest one. A ballerina. Did I get them all? And the bagpipe player. Oh, and bagpipe player. The Scotsman. By the way, did you introduce these five characters yet? Oh, well, is, it, is that what you had wanted me yeah, to do? Yeah, <laughs> Well, you kind of know who they are. They've been on here often No, but these but. Guys, the, the audience doesn't know yet. It's true. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. If you're not familiar with Children of the Wells, which you should be. You Professional should, podcasters, people. Well, they should be familiar with Children of the Wells if they listen to us for a long time. But if not, uh, we have uh, Nathan or Nate Marchand. Hello. Uh, we have Nick's lovely wife, Natasha. Hello. And uh, like we said earlier, joining us via the magic of the internet is Greg Meyer. Glad to be here. And he's he's the author of the most recent book, The Seekers and the Hidden, available now at childrenofthewells.com. Awesome. Okay. So we watched this because uh, we, we went to a list of five Christmassy Twilight Zone episodes. And this was number two. And we're like, oh, we'll do that one because none of us had watched Well, Greg had watched it. Yeah. It was really hard for us to find something that none of us had seen that we all felt could be worth talking about. Yeah. There were, there were other episodes that we considered. One that was more obviously Christmas themed was called Night of the Meek. But I had already seen that one. Yeah. So that it was decided against that one. I'm guessing Greg had probably seen that one too. Probably. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I really enjoyed the vibe of this one. It was very like, um, Waiting for Godot, sort of like, what do we do while we're waiting? You know, sort yeah. of thing. For being on a list of Christmas, you never know quite what you're going to get with Twilight Zone. <laughs> for being on a list of Christmas episodes, I wasn't quite expecting the existential crisis. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Twilight Zone. There, there's always an existential crisis. Yeah, fair enough. How they do that to you? <laughs> <laughs> so the the major is the guy who's been who, like we said, is the newest one here, and as uh, the other ones have been here for a while. Apparently, you don't know who they are or where they are or why they are. Uh huh. The uh, guy who plays the clown, I feel like he could play a really good Kefka. Man, he was awesome. 
<laughs> that clown, he, he was my favorite character. <laughs> that was something that I was a little bit concerned about early on because it seemed like both the major and the clown, they were such strong characters that I was a little bit concerned that they would end up kind of dominating the episode and the other three wouldn't get to do much. Now, they did do a fair amount with the ballerina. Yeah. So I was very happy about that, but I did feel like the hobo and the bagpipe player ended up kind of being in the background yeah. a little bit. They didn't make as many contributions. And with a half-hour show, that yeah, that, that can happen. But when you have the major who's the latest one there, and he's the one most adamant about getting out, and the clown has such a strong personality, you know, and is just he's constantly responding to what everybody else says and trying to lighten the mood or, or whatever. In a very but, philosophical way. Yeah. And then you have what they did with the ballerina is I'm not sure exactly how to describe her. She's not really a nihilist. She's resigned. She, yeah, she's very resigned to the situation that they're in. So he she's kind of the foil for the major who's doing everything he can to get out. And it seems like the other characters are resigned to their situation, but she's the most vocal about the resignation, whereas the clown just likes waxing philosophical. I do feel like she kind of has a more of an idea of what's out there than the rest of them do, because there's a certain point where she says that, uh, you know, maybe we are unloved. Mm -hmm. And that comes back to the ending with what Rod Serling has to say. And so I kind of feel like even though she may not know that she is a doll, uh, she is the one that kind you know has the most correct idea of where they're at. Yeah, almost like a subconscious instinct, maybe. Instinct, yeah, because yeah. she she does seem to be the most um aware, not maybe not aware, but she she has this resignation, but it's not she's willing to try stuff too. She's like she's the most in tune with what they actually are in some ways. So if you did not heed our spoiler warning and decided is. to just watch... So basically, the the twist at the very end is that they are all figurines in a, basically an orphan... Um, what do you call it? Like Toys for Tots, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's Christmas time. They're they're in a big tub you know, waiting to be the, taken to orphans. It would be interesting to watch this not... Not thinking, oh, this is one of the Christmas episodes. Well, ones. I did. I didn't know it was a Christmas episode. Okay. Nice. So when it was all of a sudden like, here's these toys for donation, I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it was really surprising. <laughs> the, the, I was trying to peg the ending, and I, I almost had it. When I realized, okay, they're in an enclosed space. Seems like it's open at the top, and they're trying to get to the top. And these are five very disparate characters. No one. Why would they be together? Why are they? There? You know that sort of a thing. And the clown's and, and a weird thing to be in there. And knowing that this is supposed to be, yeah, supposed to be some sort of Christmas episode, my mind immediately went to they must all be figurines in a Christmas ornament. Uh, you know. Yeah. So I and you know then at the end there would be like a child or something that you would see you would come over and bump it or something like that. And I was I was along the right track, but it wasn't right. Yeah, but there, there was a, certainly a heavy emphasis on being abandoned or being lonely or being, which I, I felt like it was a trash can. Like, they, I, had, I had the whole toy story. Like, again, like, if I'd been Natasha not knowing it had anything to do with Christmas, the ending would have been way more, you, wouldn't, you couldn't have guessed that. No, probably um, not. I mean, I think based on the website, this was aired, like, on December 22nd or something like that. So well, it's Twilight Zone, so you'd be so like, you'd, yeah, you know, we never know. So, but I mean, yeah, 
it's a nice little tie-in that you wouldn't know it was a tie-in until you actually saw the episode. Mm -hmm. You know something that I really was surprised with this one, and that is this actually was in some ways actually kind of an effective horror story as well, because we were all cringing at points with some of the the way that the things were uh, were written, some of the lines that were in there, particularly the Rod Serling, the end of the Rod Serling introduction. That was chilling. Where at the end, where you know when he's introducing the episode, he says. We will not uh, tell you the we, end. We, we, we won't. We won't. Uh, we won't nightmare. end the nightmare, but we will explain it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, oh my gosh! But, but then all the things when they're trying to get out and they're standing on each other's shoulders, and we're thinking, that's got to be really oh uncomfortable. Oh my gosh! But not only that, but we're thinking that's a long fall, well, and <laughs> and that's that's one of those things with the tension. Us watching together is probably more than if you're watching it by yourself. You know, you're kind of like looking at each other, like, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> And I think sometimes we were, you know, kind of cracking jokes as because, you know, we were used I think to. We were ref- trying to. Well, we're trying to break the ch- tension. I exactly. Think I think like it, it wasn't just oh, this is funny. It's like we need to break the tension. Like, it was kind of uncomfortable at first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting because the setup was very much like something I'd. I, I, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Natasha. Like a like one of the post-apocalyptic uh, young adults would be. Like we're all trapped in this place. We can't remember what happened, but if we can just escape, we'll get the answers. It felt like something would be a setup for like the beginning of a YA novel. Except you know? they'd all have to be like half their age. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and falling in love with each other. <laughs> well, well, when there's one girl one and ballerina. Four, <laughs> when there's one, when there's four dudes and one girl, that's gonna be. I mean, I've, yeah. But actually, the thing is, is that I've seen. A lot of stories with this sort of a setup. There's there's gazillions of them. It's just for some odd reason this the, a story where you take these five disparate characters or characters who would naturally be in conflict with each other and you put them in a small space and you force them to either to work together to solve the problems uh, to escape or whatever. You know, it's a it's a common trope. It's a common setup because it's an effective one. You know, you take, you know, that many people and you put them in a claustrophobic space and they're forced to be there. Mm-hmm. It's a natural conduit for conflict. Yeah, very effective. What I think works so well with the episode is besides the the twist, which is, you know, fun and surprising, is that the language is so stark about who are we, what are we doing? I mean, that really mm-hmm. does, it's kind of a universal question people are asking, even though it's a very absurd, surreal yeah. scene. And I think... That's why it, why Twilight Zone works many times because they're, they're asking these questions that are like underneath what people think, you know, in, in their you know in the dark hours of the night sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it's very effective. And you know, just to have this clown, you know, and the language is so kind of poetic. You know, when he's done especially the ballerina. Well, in the in the clown is very poetic. He's very philosophical. I thought he was more philosophical than poetic. Well, I mean the, the his language. Is more poetic, I thought. And then, like, even when the guy's like, "I know where we are," and ex- you know, he just kind of keeps building to that to his to saying hell. You know, there's all this uh-huh. he keeps adding these language, and I don't know, I don't know. It's just a very <laughs> that was actually the best joke out of the whole thing when they're all sitting there rattling off ideas about what they could be like. We're all in a shared dream, or what were some of the other theories that they were coming up with? They're they're each dreaming each other. Yeah, all that, and then Tim says. These people sound like lost fans. <laughs> <laughs> it really was like the same theories. It was it was really funny. Well, what I really appreciate too is that um, all the characters play to the roles that um, 
that they are as dolls. Mm-hmm. You know, the the major is you know very proactive. You know, he's trying to find a solution. Um, the, the clown is you know he's moving his umbrella and using it as a prop, <laughs> and um, as, awesome. and he's always playful, but it's always uh, but it's not always in a nice sort of fun sort of playful. It can you know kind of be at someone's expense. Yeah. Um, and the ballerina also, you know, she does a lot of movements uh, and everything like that. The hobo and the bagpipe play, uh, player don't play as much of an important role, but um, I feel like those two are kind of there as a sense, uh, you know, for the ending, you know, that the they're variety. all dolls. You know, you want mm. to add a variety of uh, different wild characters that you would kind of expect to see, uh, to see as dolls at that time yeah the uh the hobo as an archetype is not something that we see as much anymore but now that i'm thinking about it those kind of faces he was making that kind of that kind of sad look that was Mm. that was very common for hobo characters i mean it was more of a clown character almost but i guess you can okay to get super philosophical too you know they're asking all these questions of who we are meaning and she talks about being unloved and then at the end it's all like maybe they'll have some children coming it's very interesting that the answer as dolls, and I guess you could apply it to humans, is that why they're lost because they have no one to love them. Mm, interesting. It's like the <laughs> beginning of it, I was like, there's going to be some deep metaphors here because they're, they're lost and then they're in a closed space, so you've got that natural tension. But what they were saying, you could apply that pretty easily to people trying to understand their place in the world yeah. in general. There's, a lot of, there's some broad applications there. Yeah, they are toys who have been discarded. Essentially, is what they are. Yeah, yeah but I, are, I think you can apply that to just normal because they were acting like humans and they're unloved, and that's part of why they have all they, they have this uh, you know this absurdist existential crisis. Can you apply that to r- real humans if they're loved and they don't have the same existential crisis? And I got to say that final shot in the episode is haunting. The with the, with the crying the with the ballerina doll crying. I mean, there's no movement in any of those things. Yeah. The only movement you really see is the tears coming, and I just—that's an image that's going to stick with me for a while. And that's the—that's the brilliance of the Twilight Zone. So we always like to ask this question at, toward the end of the weekly hijack: Do we miss anything, Natasha? Anything? <laughs> 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 no. Uh, all right. Well, okay. I think I think we've waxed yep. philosophic about this one long enough. Of course, you know how to con- find our podcast, hopefully, at derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. iTunes, Stitcher, sometimes YouTube. And uh, we rumored, there were rumors uh, of another uh, thing you want to talk before, about. Uh, before you wrap this up, I've, I've been catching up on your podcast this week because iTunes hates you. And uh, in the last episode, you, uh, you brought up some rumors about a, a former contributor, uh, Brian. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, he's not here, but uh, I've come here to you know, address these rumors. <laughs> they are 100% true. Yes, he is starting a podcast. And not only that, I'm his co-host. And not only that, it is the very podcast that we joked about in your 50th. Woohoo! <laughs> Spinoffs! We have spawned Residuals! <laughs> We are a franchise now. <laughs> but yeah, so yes, uh, unfortunately, we will not be using the title that we joked about because of various potential copyright issues. And well, didn't you say there are some other Podzilla out there? 
Yes, uh, we found out that Podzilla is the name of some sort of con form of construction equipment. Oh. <laughs> um, and that the name had, uh, variants of the name had already been used, and we're still wondering how they didn't get sued because Toho is a little bit crazy about that. In case you didn't know, in the 50th episode, Brian was on and talked about a Godzilla movie, and even though I expect, I didn't know they were going to talk about a Godzilla movie, and I fully expected it to just be Brian's segment, since I'm also a fan of the franchise, I was invited to come on there, and you guys joked that the two of us had such a good rapport that we should have our own podcast. Matchmaking at its best. Yep, and so now <laughs> that is actually going to happen. The, the title of it currently, the title we're sticking with momentarily, will be Kaiju Vision Radio. And our initial goal is to do an episode that examines each of the entry, uh, each of the entries in the Godzilla franchise, and we're going to talk about not just them as films, but talk about what was going on in Japan culturally and historically when the films were released that probably contributed to the themes and ideas that are being presented in each one of those films, because what a lot of Western audiences don't realize is that they're not just simple B-grade monster movies. There's actually more to most of them. Not all of them, but there's more to most of them than people think. They're not your typical MST3K fodder. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, um, Nick, why, why don't you give your soundtrack and okay. then we, we will uh, maybe roast some chestnuts over this fireplace. That here. sounds awesome. So I mentioned in the first in the story school that uh, Summer used to watch me play Final Fantasy VII. And so I really thought for this shared experience I should play something for Final Fantasy VII. I couldn't find a good Eris remix that I liked. Um, so I'm like, I'll just find something kind of Christmassy. And there's a remix from the Voice of the Livestream album called Frozen Landscape, remixed by Tweaks. And it's kind of ambient and kind of melancholy, but I think I, I like it. And I suppose melancholy is good since Summer left uh, watching Final Fantasy after Eris died. So, <laughs> if it's not Christmassy, it's at least wintry. It's wintry. It's not really that melancholy, but it's very wintry, very frozen landscape, like the title says. So, mm -hmm. I hope you enjoy. It'll be kind of a nice, uh, soothing way out of here. Yep. You can leave the cabin through the frozen landscape, and we'll stay inside and 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 stay warm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thank you guys for coming. Natasha is off taking care of Mercy right yep. now. Um, but we'll we'll just have to eat all the more popcorn for us. I guess. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so. Thank you again for joining us virtually, at least, Greg. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad I could uh, make it for this. And Nate, we'll be on the lookout for your podcast and for maybe a book soon. I'm always writing a book. What are you talking <laughs> about? I am never not writing. Awesome. All right. Well, okay. until next time, guys, this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye-bye.
Thank you.